Well, hey there, and welcome back to the show. Now, when I was in college, a friend's boyfriend called me the roller coaster. It stung a little, uh, well, maybe a lot. And of course, I remember it to this day, but it's not surprising since I've always worn my emotions on my sleeve. The highs and lows of my emotional life have always been a challenge for me. Now, I didn't know it back then, but emotional regulation challenges are part of my unique version of ADHD, the executive function that is the most difficult for me. Now, I'm grateful for that roller coaster ride way back then because it led me to yoga and my spirituality. The practices I discovered are priceless for managing my ADHD, especially anxiety and depression. Now, during this episode, Cindy Powers Bolka and I talk about the powerful mind-body connection that occurs on the yoga mat, what we've learned over our decades-long journeys with yoga, and why yoga is a brilliant practice for managing the anxiety and depression that often accompany ADHD. We talk about breath and how it's the bridge between the body and the mind. Why little snippets of yoga each day can be more impactful than an hour a week. Understanding how anxiety and depression show up in your unique body and simple techniques for managing anxiety, depression, and the combination of both. Cindy Powers Bulka is a mom, Nana, partner, and friend. She's a lifelong yogini, a yoga teacher, a health and wellness coach, vegan chef, world traveler, and retreat leader. She is a mentor and coach for healthy, holistic living, primarily for women seeking balance mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually with expertise in anxiety as well as weight management. But before we dig in, I wanted to share a word from our sponsor. So we know that big emotions are common with ADHDers, but the emotional roller coaster of ADHD doesn't have to control us. And that's why I depend on experts like nervous system educator, Krista Bevan. Krista has created a truly brilliant course to help moms like me and you regulate our nervous systems that tend to run on overdrive with ADHD. Now, if you know you need some help in the emotional regulation area and executive function challenge for ADHDers, check out her foundations course. It's designed for what she calls cycle breaker moms, but the content is brilliant for ADHD moms too. It has honestly been a game changer in my own life. I'm a course participant and I love the way Krista teaches in a way that my ADHD mind can understand, along with easy steps to implement what I'm learning into my everyday life. You can find all the deets at bit.ly forward slash VDM dash radical mother dash foundations, or find the link in the show notes. And just so you know, I only recommend and allow sponsors that I have personal experience with and Krista and her courses are the real deal. So check out the course and enjoy the show. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey, Cindy, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. And so, so Cindy and I have known each other 
since 99, 2000, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it would be what, 99, yep. It's been a long time. I used yes, to come yeah. to Iatria when you were up in Iatria. That was decades ago. <laughs> I opened like... that in 1999. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I, that's when I, um, that's when I was uh, coming to, uh, to uh, learn yoga from you and um, such a blessing. I actually, um, I, I had moved here from Atlanta and I started yoga with the best teacher ever. And then I got here and I was like, where's the yoga? Where's so it took me several years to find you, but I did eventually. So um, so Cindy, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be doing what you're doing right now? Sure. Uh, well, I started back my career when I was in my 20s in human resources mm -hmm. and um, I I enjoyed it, but I never felt quite at home in a corporate environment. I didn't feel like I was able to operate optimally on somebody else's schedule. And I had become a mom and really, really wanted to be a mom first. Yeah. So when my um, son was born, my daughter came first and I was working in the corporate environment until she was about five. And then my son came along and I was able to say goodbye to that. And I, uh, was spent a couple of years kind of trying to figure out what direction I wanted to go and loved yoga, had been practicing yoga for my own anxiety issues, which were pretty persistent. I would call that a lifelong life issue for me mm -hmm. and found that the, the yoga practice, um, a comprehensive yoga practice was just so effective and yeah. helping me um, quell my anxiety and in doing so, achieve a, a, a sense of clarity mm -hmm. about who I am, what I want to do. And that clarity enabled me to be pretty organized about starting a business, which was my yoga studio. Mm -hmm. I opened a yoga studio first in 1999, um, housed above a spa and basically outgrew it and moved to a second spot, which became moving mantra yoga, which I had for almost 15 years Yeah, and loved it. So 15 years of having a yoga studio, I was ready for something different. And, you know, when you have your own brick and mortar business, you're pretty much on 24 seven. And I was kind of so done with that. Um, never stopped loving the teaching, never stopped loving the yoga community, but really wanted to have more of a life of my own. So I ended up um, closing the yoga studio. But before I did that, I enrolled in training at Duke's integrative health center to mm -hmm. become a health and wellness coach right. an integrative health and wellness coach. And so once I closed the studio, I put my focus there and I created an umbrella business called Zakti health solutions. And under that came yoga teaching. I was teaching at a Buddhist temple for many years up until the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I was leading yoga retreats all over the world. And that came under that umbrella. And then my coaching came under the um, that umbrella as well. And I did some group coaching stuff, but largely individual coaching. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit. And, yeah. you know, it takes about five years to grow a business. And I was right at that earmark. And I told my partner on New Year's Eve, the year before, uh, in, in 2019, on mm -hmm. New Year's Eve, I said, I'm so happy my business is right where I want it to be. Oh, I'm of course. I love. I have as many clients as I need. I'm making the money I need to make. I, I did it. I'm right. here. And then March came. Right. And it literally pulled the rug out from under me because I was in basically the travel and the contact business. I was also a body worker, right? So right. Um, everything just evaporated in a day. 
brought my yoga classes online, but unfortunately, a lot of my students just didn't want to practice yoga online. Yeah, still doing that and have mm -hmm. grown that audience a bit by doing therapeutic series like you just did recently. Um, I'm back to doing yoga uh, retreats nowadays, which is wonderful. Um, going to Belize in a couple months, going to Panama in 2023. Um, went to the Azores recently, um, but I really got to focus in on the pandemic on digital learning. So I mm -hmm. wrote a course called Heal Your Hunger, which is designed for women who struggle with emotional eating um, or have uh, dysfunctional eating patterns and uh, launched that course. And from that grew other things, right? Yeah, so right. I've kind of created a niche over the last couple of years of working with women in the perimenopausal to postmenopausal years working with mental, emotional, physical, hormonal balance. Mm -hmm. And um, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I still do some group coaching and I do some online programs. I do Facebook Lives. I've created a couple of special groups where women can gather and learn things and share with each other. And I'm really loving it. You know, it, it's I won't lie. It's been a struggle to refigure yourself out at 60 years old is not yep. an easy thing. Yeah. But I love where I am now. And I feel like I've, I've kind of, stepped into my expertise, having been somebody who's been through a lifelong anxiety, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause, I have a reflective perspective on it. Right. And, and I think that that's been really, really beneficial. Yeah. And for me and my client. So when you, when you're talking about perimenopause, when, what, about what age is perimenopause? Well, I think if it can happen differently for, um, different women. Mm -hmm. And that, that phase of menopause is measured, is identified by when you begin to have a, a decline in estrogen. Right. And um, the effects of estrogen decline are so comprehensive and most women yeah. don't realize that. And most um, gynecologists don't talk about it. Uh, I'm very glad that I have one that does. Um, so perimenopause for me kicked in at about 38 years old. Mm -hmm. And I would say from anywhere from 35 to early 40s is perimenopause. Yeah. And then menopause is considered when you don't have a period for a year, right? Mm -hmm. And then postmenopause is when those estrogen levels have really dropped off, right? right? So, and there's different symptoms that go with each phase, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel as though I've navigated them very, very well. Um, the hardest part for me was perimenopause. Yeah. Um, I was all over the place. And because I had suffered with anxiety for most of my life, I felt like it was a real upheaval for me. Yeah, right. Um, but that set me on a course of trying to figure out how to manage it. I had a blood clot when I was pregnant. So hormonal replacement therapy was not an option for me. Mm, right. So basically I adapted my yoga practice. I've used food as a way of healing and I've changed the way I've exercised over the years to adapt that as well. So um, I've, I've done that journey and I've done it quite well. And I've, I've come through really well without the massive weight gains and without the, the mood swings, never had hot flashes. I've done pretty well with all that. And some of that is genetic, I believe, Like, right. but there's so much within our control that we can do to manage those symptoms. And I think it's especially important if you do suffer with anxiety. Yeah, and you know, as you're saying all of this too, the word that comes to mind is practice. Mm -hmm. um, and at least for myself, I thankfully, uh, peri um, 
I didn't have hot flashes either. Like I, a little bit, like there was definitely change, but I was expecting this complete, you know, this overhaul in my whole being. And it wasn't as, it wasn't what I thought. And I do, I do give my, um, my practices credit for that. You know, well, that's a common denominator between you and I, and you know, um, my mother and my sister suffered from hot flashes. My mother suffered from hot flashes till she was 70 years old. Mm. And so the only thing that's different between my blood and I is the yoga practice. Yeah. And um, I do think that in our world here, we don't talk a whole lot about um, what yoga does besides give you a yoga booty, right? Right. I mean, and um, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a nice benefit that it keeps you in shape um, and maintains your muscle tone and it's energy moving. But there's so many other bene benefits that occur on a subtle, unseen level. Right. Um, yes, definitely. Let's talk, talk about, about that because that is that's really important. Because now that yoga, I mean, I don't know how long yoga has been in the gyms, but that is not the yoga that I started with. Yoga in the gym was not like that's foreign to me. Can you talk talk a little bit about what yoga is and yeah. and uh, yeah, because it's not just asana. No. So I was traditionally trained, um, and which means that I studied all eight limbs of yoga. Mm -hmm. And that includes, you know, pranayama, the breathing exercises, asana, uh, first the attitude of yoga, the mindset of yoga, and then asana, and then pranayama and pratyahara, which is about being able to withdraw your senses, to be able to go inward mm -hmm. and not be driven by external stimuli. And then dhyana and dharana, which is concentration and singular point of focus and those two kind of lead into that higher state of awareness what i like to call open awareness mm -hmm. higher consciousness so i was trained in that system i was passionate about that system unfortunately um you know there were aren't a lot of yoga teachers that are trained comprehensively like that right. and not a lot of studios slash gyms and um venues that that advertise that because they want to hook people in with the yoga booty kind of thing. Right now, right. now, I'm not trying to disparage yoga in the gym because I think it can be a gateway to deeper practice for a lot of people. It mm -hmm. has its place. Sometimes I wish that the teachers were a little bit better trained, but um, you know, I think that it's, it's opened the doors and the numbers have grown exponentially of right. yoga practitioners over the years. And that's probably because of the fact that it went into the gyms. Right. You know, so, that yeah, go ahead. So the, the whole comprehensive aspect of it is that, you know, and every single time I get on my mat, I go through that whole process mm. where, first of all, I, I shift my mindset. It's a ritual for me. I'm getting on my mat. You know, the rest of the world drops away for a little bit mm -hmm. and I become very intentional about the practice. The first thing I do is connect, make that mind body connection. I usually do that through pranayama. And since you practice with me, mm -hmm. you know that that's the vehicle that I use to get people grounded and in tune because the breath right. is the bridge between the body and the mind. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the way that ha having been a body worker and kind of an anatomy geek all these years, uh, my, the way that I teach asana is a little bit more on the therapeutic end than the athletic end mm -hmm. always has been. But now that I'm in my sixties, it's even more so that way. Yeah. And of course my following is aged with me. So um, that's the, my approach. I also found that you know, going through perimenopause and menopause that and anxiety, that the gentler style of yoga is actually way more effective mm -hmm. for achieving the end goal, 
which was to be chill, to be relaxed and comfortable in my skin, to be able to be focused and present in the moment. The gentle meditative style of yoga is much more effective for that. I don't think I'm alone on that either. I just think there's a lot of women that don't understand that. Yeah, you know, and I don't, so we we haven't spoken in a long time. I did do yoga teacher training. um, And the one thing that, that I think... It was an amazing nine months, first of all, but the one thing that I learned, and really for me, it was to go deeper in my own practice. Um, but the one thing that stood out to me, the one thing that I really got out of that whole that whole uh, nine months was that I'm a mover. So maybe it's the ADHD, the, the um, hyperactivity that I have. So I thought that I needed more movement, like that I needed more um, to move that energy out. And what I really needed was to go in. It was fascinating, that realization that, oh, my anxiety does not need me to keep moving, 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 moving. What I really need is to go in. So anyway, that was a, it was a beautiful realization after, and that was after several decades, almost couple I, I was it was a long time I'd been doing yoga for a long time at that point well I, I had a similar experience as you I started yoga the first yoga class I ever had I was a college cheerleader and they brought in a yoga teacher to teach us flexibility oh wow okay for a long time um, the yoga was just an athletic arm right yeah, right um, and then I didn't really recognize that I had anxiety until I got into my 20s and I could identify it as such. I never knew why I felt the way I felt. Back then, we didn't really even talk about anxiety a whole lot. Right. Um, but I went through the same thing you did, is that I first initially was just very kinetic, and I am a very physical person. Mm-hmm. And I would feel better. It would kind of burn off that surface energy, and I'd feel better for a while. But it, it didn't sustain the chill, right? Yeah. It was kind of like um, the hormonal effects of, of adrenaline um, wearing off would fake it for a little while that, okay, now my physiology has changed. But to really change your physiology, that is to shift the nervous system, it's the gentler practices that are much more effective in doing that. And then we must speak to to the consistency of practice because you can't expect if you take one yoga class a week and never step on your mat in between that you're going to be able to achieve that kind of goal of uh, dealing with anxiety or dealing with hormonal imbalances or, um, you know, the myriad of things that are associated with those those kinds of things. Yeah, practice. That's the thing. That's 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 also the the uh, the realization. And I was, I mean, I was practicing on my mat and doing the yoga. You know, doing a class once a week. So I'd been doing the practice, but it it, it was just a different understanding of um, of the whole thing. Um, and of course, I was going to say something about about that. Oh, so just curious how much and i think you might have said this i think you might have said this when you did i I did that series with you not too long ago how much yoga like you know i I, after i had my kids and i had i did i did my yoga right through you know until the day each of my kids was born um and then once i had my kids was like well you know if i can't if i can't do my hour yoga or my hour and a half yoga then i'm not going to do it right what's the point can you tell us a little bit about because we're all busy moms busy you know i hate to say that busy but life is full right so well, what is a what... teacher for 30 years practicing for longer than that but for 30 years i've been teaching yoga and one of the things that i realized uh, in that first 
maybe five years is that a lot of people weren't willing to really buy in completely to yoga as a lifelong practice because of exactly what you said. Yeah. I don't have time to get on my mat for 60, 90 minutes a day. That's right. impossible. Who does that? Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? The thing about yoga is, and I, I labeled it tongue in cheek when I was younger, there's like the floaty yogis who right. like, they're all up here and in, in this ethereal world that doesn't make sense to 99% of the people. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. I'm much more of a concrete thinker. And uh, I like to think that I'm a very grounded person. I believe yoga should make you more grounded, not less. Yeah. Um, so I, I started talking to my students about this idea that, you know, if you can spend five minutes a day being in yoga awareness, that too is included as practice. Mm. If you get bumped up against a really stressful situation and your anxiety goes off the charts, stopping, checking in with yourself and taking five breaths is a yoga practice, right? Mm. I so love if, that. Cindy. In my teacher training program that I did, I had a whole um, part of my course that was about, it was a part of the introduction, the first uh, module is what is yoga practice? Mm. And I created this list of, there might've been 30 different things on there that I said qualified as yoga practice because mm -hmm. as in many teacher trainings, um, they were challenged to practice on a daily basis, right? Yeah. And I didn't wanna lose anybody who thought I'm raising children, I've got a full-time job, you know, I'm taking care of elderly parents or whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. and I don't have time for this. So yeah. I think that little snippets of yoga practice um, just being aware of how you sit, how you stand, mm -hmm. you know, how you conversate, bringing mindfulness into your daily life, that all on a cumulative basis goes a very long way. In fact, I would say that having snippets of yoga practice in your daily life is as effective as having one hour a day, especially mm. if that one hour a day you think like, okay, I'm done with that. And now I can go out and, and live my life in this sort of uh outwardly driven way right um, so it builds over time right mm -hmm. it's a patient process nobody comes into yoga and masters it in yeah. a year um, or two or three it takes a long time to really understand the practice in your body in your mind to understand your own nervous system and mm -hmm. what your patterns are and then to apply yoga to it so it is definitely a process and i've been blessed I, i've done a lot of private yoga therapy with people and brought them into that journey and been able to witness just how life-changing it's been. And in my coaching practice to this day, I still use that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Because for one thing, it takes the pressure off that I've got to do it this certain way. Mm -hmm. And that's not helpful, first of all. And it's not true. You know, as you say, you're saying these little snippets, one of the other things that I that I took from my um, and that I, I I did the yoga teacher training in um, 2014, and I still the the way that I walk, the way that I that I align my feet when I walk, like all the time throughout my entire my entire day. I mean, just the simple little things that I learned that oops, you know, and it's kind of helps me to bring bring me back into the moment too. Is to paying paying attention to my feet. Where are my feet? Are they out? Are they are they in? Oh, they're straight because that's going to help align my body. Anyway, that's just a little, well, a little side. Interesting because that, that topic that you just said about feet um, mm -hmm. is so important. Our yeah. feet are our foundation. In fact, next week I'm teaching an online workshop about 
happy, healthy feet. Because if mm. your feet aren't aligned on your earth, it's not just about the way the bones align. Mm -hmm. If your bones aren't aligned, your energy lines don't flow. And oh, when our right. energy lines don't flow, we get this backed up energy and blockages. And that can manifest in the mind or the body, in the emotional field, in the spiritual field, right? So really the alignment of the feet, the mindfulness of which so which the way you put your feet on the earth mm -hmm. isn't just about aligning your bones mm -hmm. and being in the moment. It's also about keeping your energy flowing. That is beautiful, Cindy. That is a beautiful um, kind of an, uh, helps us to understand too. It's that mind, body, soul connection, right? And and that you know that the, the uh, as your feet are flat on the earth as you're walking, you know, as you're walking um, in, in alignment, you are, you're able to pick up more of the, of the energy, more connection, more groundedness. Um, and I think that helps, like if there, if there's anybody who is um, on the fence, I don't know, you know, I've never done yoga or I don't know if I want to bring it back. It's not just about the body. And right. I, I love that. And we'll come continually come back to that. It's not just about the body. However, we are physical we are spiritual beings in a physical form so we do have a body right we can't I, I, what you talked about early earlier with the floaties the, the floaters that that was me that was me 20 years ago 20 even 15 years ago that i was all up here and not in my body right and i think that might be a great segue into anxiety because when we are feeling anxious we are not in our bodies we are somewhere else um can you talk a little bit about um about how you use um use your yoga to manage your anxiety so it it that began as a, a personal um interest right mm -hmm. because i did recognize when i was in my 20s that i'm pretty much anxious all the time mm -hmm. and uh my yoga practice put me in touch with what are my symptoms of anxiety? And I'm also very much a somatic teacher because I believe what's in our mind and in our emotional field and in our spiritual field is expressed through the body, right? right. So the body becomes this amazing tool that we can use to understand ourselves better. And so I was really curious about how I could apply anxiety for my own need first. And um, again, that was a process. It wasn't a singular event. I did some training, teacher training in the field as well. Mm -hmm. And then years of practice and tweaking, it all begins with awareness, right? So yeah. if we have a physical yoga practice, that brings us into the awareness of our body. Mm, and right. if we can be aware of our body, and this is really important for me, I, where does anxiety live in my body? And it's different for everybody, but mm -hmm. anxiety lives right here in my solar plexus chakra mm, for me. Right. It gets all buzzy and flighty and, and feels all like balled up and agitated at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so when, when I get that signal, which is oftentimes the first signal that anxiety is settling in, I can recognize it, breathe into it and preempt the entire anxiety episode. Right. That's the key. The self-awareness, when you are aware of your body, when you're aware of awareness self-awareness is the key to everything and and i i say this because i am um, a, a woman a mom with adhd but treating our adhd it's adhd is different for every single person who has it right and so knowing ourselves we can take oh this and that and the other thing that um, you know of ways to treat 
treat our ADHD, but we need to know what it's like in our own body, what the anxiety is like in our own body. And that is how we, that's how we start managing it. And what is one of the first things that happens uh, that needs to happen in order to become more self-aware is to slow down, right? Yeah, right. Is to have those, those um, choice points that mm -hmm. come up where we say, okay, I'm feeling X, Y, Z, and there's a fork in the road here for me. I can run and let it run, run with it and let it run me, or I can stop and breathe and center myself and take the other course. Right. Um, and, you know, so a, a yoga practice is going to teach you those kinds of mm -hmm. things. A yoga teach, a class is going to teach, a good teacher is going to teach you how to become more self-aware. But if you're not slowing down and, and, and engaging in other supportive mechanisms mm -hmm. to keep you um, developing your self-awareness and getting to know yourself. And then what I say, loading your tool belt with yeah. different techniques that work for you. There's, of course, there's, you know, when I teach uh, workshops and clinics on uh, mood imbalances, which, mm -hmm. you know, is anxiety and depression individually. And then where most people lie is, you know, they cycle between the two. That's yeah. by far the most popular. That's ADHD. So, it's my ADHD, my version. <laughs> Right, yeah. right. You know, some people just call it the roller coaster, right? Yeah. So, and, and we all kind of want to be here. We don't want to be a flatliner, right? Yeah. We kind of yeah. want to be able to go with the flow. And so, you know, there are certain specific breathing interventions that I think are really key mm -hmm. because you can breathe anywhere. You know, you can be in a meeting at work and feel that anxiety, you know, rearing its ugly head and, and shutting you down. Right. And you can be doing a specific breathing practice and nobody knows. Yeah, right, right. right. Um, you can be driving with your noisy kids in the back back of the car and you're late getting to the, them to practice or something and you can employ a breathing practice. Right. You can wake up in the morning and think, God, I just feel so down. It feels like a dark day. And you could start your day with a specific breathing practice to circumvent that. So mm -hmm. I think the first line of practice is when you're practically managing anxiety mm -hmm. is um first awareness and then uh understanding the breath practices mm, now there okay. are asana practices that are specific to supporting um the management of anxiety supporting the management of depression or mm -hmm. the cycling of both that gets a little bit more complex for people and i think yeah. it takes like if i rattle that off nobody would would retain it right. but if i tell somebody okay you feel that anxiety well enough, I start feeling that solar plexus chakra going haywire. Mm -hmm. All right, that's my signal. What do I do for that? I know that I need to stop and become breath aware, and then I need to lengthen out my exhale. Lengthen Slow the exhale. Got it. Right. It because that's going to initiate the parasympathetic response in your nervous system. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the long exhale, and that's kind of that. That's what you just said about the the breath and the and the the uh, the asana is true especially when you're in that place and when you're realizing oh here it comes i am i'm 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 starting to get anxious before i hit an, a panic attack right. <laughs> uh, which is thankfully i don't have those anymore but there's something that i can do right now but that the long exhale so that you said that 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 switches the um yeah yeah okay. it's it's simple you know one of the things that i try to remind people of and this is just a general rule of thumb for all pranayama which is that you never want to force the breath. So it's not like you want to take these right, push right. down on the breath. Mm -hmm. You just want to gradually 
maybe five minutes. You can give yourself five minutes. If you can only take one, then one is worth it, right? Mm -hmm. Where you systematically over several rounds of breath, just kind of slow down the release of the exhale. You stop at the end of the exhale. There's always this sort of, I call it the empty still place at the bottom of the exhale. Mm -hmm. And you notice it. Okay, there's nothing left here except for this. And then the inhale will grow out of that organically, right? right? So that's a basic practice for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if you wake up or you find yourself, you know, heading towards the doldrums, things are getting dull, you're getting up in your head and you can't seem to get out, you know, feelings of sadness, anger, frustration, and all those kinds of emotions associated with depression are in the forefront. Then you can do a breathing practices practice that energizes right Mm -hmm. that that lifts energy and that would be just simply the opposite of what i just talked about right first you normalize the breath breath awareness is always the first step to any pranayama and then gradually over several rounds of breath now i will say that i always start with lengthening out the exhale because Mm -hmm. when we don't when we don't realize that the exhale carries things away not just the breath itself but it carries away tension it carries away mental um, disturbances. It carries away distraction, right? So, in any breathing practice, I always start with let's focus on the exhale for a while. It also right, that is a visual too. Just the okay, so it's we're, I'm, it's it's being taken away. It's being yeah. taken away. Like I like that that visual in my mind. Okay, I say uh, the the exhale is the vehicle for letting go of all things. Mm. Um, so all breathing practices start with that, and then. For anxiety, you work to lengthen out the exhale, as I just mentioned, slow it down, notice the space at the end of the exhale. When you're dealing with um, symptoms that are associated with depression and dullness of the body and mind, then you're going to do the opposite. After you've lengthened out the exhale, grounded your energy, you're going to work to pick up the inhale because that's going to help expand you really, right? And what does depression feel like in our body? To mm-hmm. me, it just feels like something's holding me down. Right. Like literally there's a weight on me, mm-hmm. right? So when you breathe, it expands you and it helps you um, get the energy flowing again, yeah. right? So right. again, we never want to force the breath. So we don't want to like <gasps> pull the breath up into the throat, do anything like that. It's a slow process that happens over, you know, minutes, um, right. not not seconds. Yeah. And uh, and then the if you are kind of... Uh, the type that cycles between anxiety and depression on a daily basis, mm-hmm. then square breathing, where square, you're like, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. inhaling for four, holding for four, exhaling four, and holding for four. And I always tell people, your cadence of your count has to be your own. So when you start your baseline of a counted breathing practice, it's not my uh, you know, count, which is, I always use one lotus, two lotus, three, but I'm a a serious pranayama practitioner, right? Right. So my breath is naturally slower. So if yeah. you're if you've been locked into anxiety and depression for a long time, it's going to be reflected in your breath, which will feel very shallow. Mm-hmm. So you right. have to work with your own cadence. It's a very personal process. Right. Um, and I think that once you give yourself permission to be who you are, mm-hmm. and I always say the first thing I say in many classes that I teach is like let's just greet what's arrived on the mat, right? Mm, let's just become right. the witness to what has shown up on the mat this morning or this afternoon or whatever. You know, what does your body feel like? Where, where's your tension pattern? What's your breath like? Mm-hmm. What's your quality of attention in your mind? Are you flitting all over the place or 
can you are you distracted and going off on tangents you know like what's the quality of the mind and we do that without judgment because that's simply information right we are this physical mental emotional spiritual being and it's just information because all of those parts of us are inextricably inextricably connected yeah you can't just pull out one piece of it and think that everything else is going to change right 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 it can it can have ripple effects though but we want to have awareness of all aspects of our being mm-hmm. yeah that's beautiful and the the uh Again, and again, okay, so, so always coming back to the, the mat and always coming back to that breath, always. Like, and, 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 it, and it's interesting too, after doing, um, being on the mat for 30 years, I still have my yoga mat that I bought 30 years ago that I cannot part with and it's old and it's, you know. Anyway, um, but, um, but I continue to come back to the mat and I can't remember what I was gonna say. I was just gonna say something. Um, about the breath. About the breath. It was definitely about the breath. Yeah. I don't well, know let me say something saying. about the breath then, um, <laughs> that maybe may draw that out of you. Is that <laughs> Thank you. You think it's something that we carry with us always. It's not something that we have to think about doing. Mm-hmm. Breath is autonomic, right? Right. And no matter where we go, as long as we're alive, that breath is with us. So it's a tool that's always in our tool belt. Right. Always. And that's what I was going to say. It's always there. It's always available to us. And even though I've been on the mat for 30 years, I still forget to breathe sometimes. I realize, oh, I'm just breathing up in my lungs. Like I'm not taking it like, oh, okay. Oh, now it's better. Now I'm be- it's an interesting, it's, it, do you still do that? Or are you, you're, you're so, you're, 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 you're more practiced in the, in the breathing. I know that when anxiety comes up and, you know, this is another thing I try to tell my clients and students is that part of being human is is having what we consider imperfection, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to embrace that. And I don't think that, um, I don't have an expectation of myself that I will ever not be anxious, right? right. Um, I am always gonna be navigating some level of that. And I will say too, and this is an important thing for women who are approaching perimenopause, menopause to understand, is that one of the things that estrogen protects us from is those emotional disturbances, right? Mm, okay. So um, the levels of estrogen and our serotonin levels are interconnected. Mm-hmm. So when I, I never had a panic attack before I hit 55 years old. And right. it, it, it happened at the farmer's market of all places. Mm. And it got very crowded and the world, my vision became tunnel, started getting sweaty. I, it, I ended up passing out. And oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah, and you know, of course, my family was on Mother's Day too, right? So, right. <laughs> my, my family, my grand- grandchildren were there, and everybody was panicking and whatnot. I woke up; it was just a, a, a blip of a, a pass out, but I woke up on the ground with all these faces in my face. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Get away from me, right? right. <laughs> um, but you know, I went to my uh, my gynecologist. I also have appointed her my my uh, general, my GP, and I mm-hmm. went to her and I'm like, "What the hell is going on here?" You know, like this shouldn't be happening to me. I practice yoga all the right. time as a teacher. Right. Like, this shouldn't be happening to me. And she's like, honey, it's about the hormones, right? Mm. You just have less protection against this kind of thing. Right. And, you know, there's interventions that you can do if you tend to, like, if I had kept having those kinds of episodes, I would have 
taken her medical intervention because mm -hmm. I'm not a purist. I think that Western medicine has its place. Right. Uh, I think that medications can change people's lives. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a pill popper by any means, but I'm also not one of these yogis or health coaches that say you should never take this or that. And, like, right. Evil. I think that we have to make careful decisions for sure. Um, but what I did after I started having the, those panic attacks, and I, thankfully I only had two more, um, is that I had to change the way I practice, right? Mm, right. Because at 55 years old, I was um, still navigating menopause and um, and dealing with when I had perimenopause, I gained weight and I was really unhappy about that. And I couldn't do anything that seemed to work mm -hmm. to lose it and keep it off that didn't make me freaking miserable, right? Right. So that was an opportunity for me to look at, okay, how am I eating? How am I sleeping? How am I exercising? And right. is that the best support for me where I am in my life right now? Right. And it changed things. It changed the way I practice. So isn't that, I mean, that that is kind of, um, that is a, you know, that's like a mini cosmic two by four. Then, uh, okay, here you go. We need a little bit of shift, you know? And unfortunately that was in the, the form of a panic attack with- Well, um, I had two teachers coming up um in my early years i had two teachers both of whom had had been diagnosed with breast cancer while i was studying with them mm. they both ended up dying of breast cancer and they both taught me the same thing that why do you why would we ever think that the way we practice when we were 20 is the way we're going to practice when we're 50. right that's true right you because know, don't i mean we even change every single day on the mad we're a different person every day so why would be we be the same that's right. um yeah all those years but later. that's kind of the implied thing you know like i i can't tell you how many um you know menopausal women have come to me and, and been like i've been taking hot yoga and i just hate it and oh. i just look at them and be like Okay, you're menopausal and you're experiencing hot flashes and you're going into a hot room yeah. with a bunch of 20 year olds. Right. You know, and you're comparing yourself. And you're, I mean, there's, there's just not a whole lot of wisdom in the popularized forms of yoga because, right. you know, they say hot yoga is good for everybody. You know, so if you're 55 and you're, you want to lose a couple pounds, go to hot yoga. And I say, no, if you're 55, and you want to lose a, a bunch of pounds and you got anxiety, then I want to help you find a way to a gentler practice. Yeah. Uh, and same thing with pounding um, you know, cardio at the gym. You know, yeah. these crazy workouts actually are counterproductive mm. for women of a certain age because they increase our cortisol level. Oh, and when our cortisol okay. level is increased, guess what we do? Our body holds on to fat like nobody's business because it thinks it's going to starve. Right. Right. It thinks okay. it's in emergency mode. That's interesting. Yeah. The um the um <clears throat> I love what you have shared today about um I guess first of all that that realization that you know the self-awareness, where am I? What does my body need in this moment? And also that realize realization, Cindy, that I'm always going to have anxiety, right? I, I'm, I am always going to have ADHD. It's not going away. I just, I learned to manage it and I can use it to my advantage, right? You can, I mean, and, and it kind of with the, um, the, uh, I, I really feel that my, I was treated before I even knew about my ADHD, anxiety, depression. I'd been treating that. That's why I started yoga. I didn't know that back then. I was really just trying to, um, I, I was uh, I was a mess, 
right? And I was really just trying to, um, really just trying to get get through some grief, really is how I started. But um, but as I've realized over over the years is that that's that was my way of treating my anxiety and I didn't even realize it you know so here I go oh I'm anxious I'm gonna go over here and try this and this and this and this like but no this is this is what I've got in addition to other things you know other things that that are that that are supportive but Cindy this has been a fantastic conversation it has been amazing to see you um, and to connect with you and hear your beautiful wisdom and um, and also that so I checked out your um, your trip to uh, your retreat to Belize, and it's not going to happen this year. But I've been I've been it's been in my it's on my bucket list to come to one of your retreats. So now I see Panama in 2023. Okay. Oh, Panama is going to be amazing because um, I I had to go through a broker to get to this venue, but it's an exclusive island venue um, with water bungalows over the water. Um, so it's and it's. It's going to be really special. So that's uh, what amazing. I will say about my retreats is I was so um, concerned that the pandemic was going to wipe out that part of the business. Right. It has not. Belize Good. filled with 21 people in two days. Wow. With money on the table. So right. Right. Um, people are ready to, to go. People are really into the wellness retreat aspect um, mm -hmm. of, you know, exploring the world. And right. I look forward to doing even more of that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Like I said, it's been on my it's been on, on my bucket list, but now that no but now it's even more. Okay, it's mental mental note for 2023. I will keep my eyes and ears open in your um your emails, your newsletters. So Cindy, tell us about how um how our listeners can find you. Well, cindypowers.com is my website and that you can find out about my yoga, my retreats and my coaching programs all on that website. Okay. Um, I'm on a Facebook, uh, a couple different ways. Um, one of the things that I do want to extend to you and to your listeners is that I created a group called wise women wellness. Mm -hmm. It's a private group, so you can't just go on and find it. But if you contact me through, um, Cindy powers Bolka on Facebook or Cindy powers coaching okay. on Facebook, then I can get you to that. And it's just a, com a community that I started building this year. It's got maybe 250 women on in it now. And um, I, that's where I do my live Facebooks. And I'm getting mm -hmm. ready to do a live Facebook um, about called the Diet Do-Over, helping women are mastering me metabolism after the age of 40. Mm -hmm. That's a specific um, program that I'm, that's coming up in September. Mm -hmm. But like I've done a, a, a sugar challenge there mm -hmm. to help women who are addicted to sugar get off. It, it had a, a fantastic response. Um, I'm continuing to discover, you know, where uh, I want to point my arrow yeah. based on what people need. And right. that's what, you know, when the pandemic first hit, I had no vision on that. Like, what do people need? What do people want? I have a really good idea about that now. Right. And that's right. where I'm continuing to develop my programming. And I do offer, if anybody is interested, I offer a free 30-minute chat. You know, mm. we can just talk and you can tell me where you're at and what you're curious about and I can tell you what I have to offer that may be supportive of you. I can help point your arrows where you need to go. So anybody who is interested in that, you can actually book that free consultation on my website. 
And I'll put a, a link to that. I'll put, I'll put all of your links in the show notes as well. And Cindy, I love that pointing or helping you point your arrow. Again, I'm a visual person. So I'm like picturing, okay, like a, yeah, like, okay, this is where we're going. But, you know, that, yeah, beautiful. So this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your wisdom. And uh, I look forward to hearing about all of the goodness that's yet to come. Thanks, Cindy. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been delightful. Thanks. Goodbye for now. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. To get started on your Vision Driven Mom journey, go to visiondrivenmomwalk.com to download the Vision Walk audio guide. Join the collective of moms with ADHD moving their bodies and their lives forward and leaving overwhelm behind. Anything is possible, even for the mom with ADHD. Goodbye for now.